you, buddy. Praise the Lord. Good to see you all tonight. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. And um, we could turn me down just a little bit, I bet. Amen. Praise the Lord. Good to see you. Uh, Praise the Lord. Just want to make a couple of announcements. Uh, Again, you know this, but uh, uh, now it's just two weeks from this Wednesday. Two weeks from this Wednesday, Jesse Duplantis is going to be with us. Mark your calendar. Begin to invite people to come. I believe it's going to be a powerful meeting. It's a one-night meeting. Uh, praise the Lord, but uh, I believe he's going to bring a message to us uh, that will impact uh, hearts and lives. Uh, again, people coming may know him from worldwide ministry, books that he's read, but uh, again, uh, people coming impacted by the ministry that God has given to him. And then right after that, on the 21st, Brother Joe Morris is going to be with us. And so uh, how many of you have never been in Brother Joe's meeting before? Anybody not been? All right. So you don't want to miss Brother Joe Morris. And uh, uh, he's probably one of the most uh, casual, unassuming uh, ministers that I know. Some people, you know, he boggles their mind because he'll pray for him. There's no hoopla about it. He just prays, shakes their hand, says, drive safe, you know, uh, Go home, drive safe, it'll be all right. We're, we're expecting some, but, you know, it's just power and uh, uh, demonstration. I mean, he has uh, that understanding. Plus, uh, he ministers a lot on the end times. And so that's always something that's curious to people. But he doesn't make it weighty. He makes it uh, something that we know is the church we can rejoice in. So you want to be at that. Men, you want to get on the app, sign up, do your registration. Uh, Men's Stand Tall Conference is coming up July 14th and 15th, and everybody else on Sunday, Addison Bevere will be with us. Just released his new book, Words with God, and a powerful book on prayer, and so you don't want to miss those meetings. We do uh, that for your edification. There's gifts in the body, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, and certainly we know some of those are in our body. Amen. Uh, We just had uh, Pastor Jonathan and Alan minister last week. They can minister. Many of you are teaching Bible studies and classes, but uh, sometimes there's just gifts in the body that we bring in from other places for your edification, for your equipping, uh, for a full diet. So you don't want to miss that, amen, because God's making it uh, available to us. He's giving us divine appointments. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you know this or not. You could just take it for granted. Um, but God has made a way, and it's not because uh, Tasha and I are, are popular or really anything. God has made a way for you for some of the best people that God's anointed in the body of Christ to stand right here in this pulpit and minister to you. And so it's a weighty thing because to whom much has been given, much is required. So we don't want to just say, well, man, those great people came, you know, the Renners and Beveers and you know, uh, uh, Duplantis's people like that, the Hankins, I mean, great people, Hagans have been here in this pulpit. Isn't that cool? Well, no, it, it means that God's brought some weighty things to us uh, because he's got a, a high calling upon us. And so we don't want to just say, wouldn't that be cool to have somebody? No, God's made divine appointments to equip you through gifts of the body uh, to do work of ministry to others. Amen. And so you don't want to miss that. And uh, praise the Lord. 
good thing. Sign up for a small group. We talked about that. That's just a way for us to, as a body, link together, bind ourselves together in a different way through relationship where you can get to know one another, pray for one another, develop a relationship around the Word and fellowship around the Word of God. Amen? So sign up for uh, that. If you weren't here this morning, weren't prepared with your local church tithes and offerings, want to give you an opportunity to give, uh, praise the Lord. God said, uh, you know, if we understood the process and the, 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 the meaning of the tithe, really it's, a, it's an explosive thing to declare covenant with God that we understand it. He said he'd open up the windows of heaven. Pour out blessings that there would not be room enough to receive it. Praise the Lord. I mean, there's just that place of understanding and revelation what God will do through covenant and then acknowledging that through uh, tithes, offerings, through giving, uh, uh, being a blessing to people. You know, God will sometimes put people on your heart uh, to be a blessing to, and you'll think, man, I don't know if I can do that, and he'll show you exactly how he's provided for you to be a blessing to somebody. Amen? And so it goes farther than just the offering plate. It really goes to a heart of generosity. Amen? Praise the Lord. So we can be generous to one another. If you're making that check, make it out to New Creation Church. If you're giving uh, by text, the number's up there. We appreciate your giving, as Alan always says, uh, and, and it enables us, empowers us to uh, uh, send people in different places in our community, in the world, to minister uh, to really every generation, uh, a spectrum of different uh, people in our community as well as the world. So we appreciate that. We're believing with you that this is a year of restoration, best year you've ever had things restored fully and completely restored to you in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. You can go ahead, uh, pass those buckets, and we'll pray while the buckets are going by. Father, we thank you for every opportunity that we have to give. We thank you for the covenant that we have with you, knowing that everything that you have belongs to us. Everything that we have belongs to you. We acknowledge that in our giving, and you just declared that you'd open up the windows of heaven. So we thank you for the blessings of heaven coming upon each one, that you supply every need according to your riches in glory by Christ Jesus. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, open your Bibles with me to Ephesians, the first chapter. Ephesians, the first chapter. A couple of weeks ago, we began uh, talking about this. You know, uh, some time ago now, uh, uh, we went through Romans. Different times on Sunday night, we're going through these letters, these epistles. Uh, uh, you know, through this, we're not doing uh, an extensive word study, but we're endeavoring to go through it, one, so that you can really know the Bible. It, 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 it astounds me sometimes how people don't really know what the Bible says about certain things, so we can get, become more acquainted with these epistles that Paul wrote, that the Holy Spirit inspired him to write, that they were written down, that we might have them for us. They transcend time. And so he wrote different things, but in all of them, there is the, the essence of who we are in Christ, the revelation of who we are in Christ. And so even in this first epistle, uh, Paul prays for them for a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I just encourage you, if you haven't already, we started off the year in December talking about this last summer. Um, um, oh man, I just drew a blank on, on uh, who was with us to teach us about our forefathers. Um, David, there you go, David Barton. <laughs> Sorry about that. Sorry, David. Uh, praise the Lord. Uh, but, you know, uh, just watching that uh, thing, it stirred me once again, he, you know, how our forefathers just wrote, they wrote letters. They just wrote letters, and they were so packed full of the Word of God. 
We just think, you know, uh, the word of God is for us when we're at church or we have a high need, we call upon God. But it was so ingrained in their heart. The word of God had become life to them that in speeches and in, in conversing with one another, in governing our nation, it didn't sound like it necessarily, but it, it wasn't quote, quoted chapter and verse, but it just came out of who they are. And so, you know, we, we just begin to talk about that once again, having a daily time where you get into the Word. And so many times people study the Bible so that they can either preach it or they study the Bible to debate the preacher. <laughs> right? I read after a scholar, and he said it different than you said it. But, you know, I was talking to Justin this morning out on the walk, and he just, you know, he said, man, I'm just thrilled getting into the Word of God. And really, as we were talking about that, the understanding where Paul was talking about wisdom and revelation, just to get into the Word of God and ask the Holy Spirit to give you revelation that will pertain to your life, to reveal, to open up the Word to you. Not so that you can just preach it to somebody, not so that you can debate whether or not the preacher is accurate, but that you can have a revelation of application to your day-to-day -day life. Wouldn't you like revelation for application? Day-to-day, -day at work. And again, not talking to you, you're Sunday night crowd, so you already got this wired. But you know, it's the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday especially Friday and Saturday, that seem to trip us up. That we don't know what to say, you know, when hump day comes. Except for, whew, we're halfway there. Don't know what to say on Friday and Saturday when the world's making a big day deal of that to just blow off the steam, uh, you know, of the week by whatever they're going to do. Don't exactly know what to say about that. We're either displeased with it or we think we need that too, instead of just knowing from our heart how to take the Word of God and apply this power and the joy of living in our salvation, not comparing ourselves to the world and what they have or they don't have, but just living in the life and the fullness that Jesus Christ provided for us by the Holy Spirit. Because there's a place that's coming upon us is very soon upon us. That the world is, there's going to be something that, that really overtakes the world and it doesn't sound like it, it doesn't look like it, but they're going to be looking. They don't even know what they're looking for, but they're going to be looking for something that looks different. They're going to be looking for what the Bible calls light, the light of life. And if we're used to putting a bushel over our light, looking like the world, even though we know we have light in it, they won't find us. But if we learn right now to strip off the things of the old man, that the new man will shine through. And be ready, right? may not look like it, but be ready to give words when somebody says there's something different about you. What is it? Well, I, I don't know. See, I'll tell you exactly what it is. There's something different about you at work. There's something different about the way you go about business. There's something different about the way you talk about politics. There's something different about the way you talk about the boss and don't get involved in those things. There's something different when you draw back from the dirty jokes. There's something different about you, yet you're, you're going through life. You're handling life just like everybody else, but there's something different. What is it? And to be able to say, it's, it's the transformation that Christ has made in my life. 
I know this is a, you know, a, a, a revelation, but we're not really supposed to be fitting in. Right? We're not supposed to be fitting in. We're supposed to be standing out. Not in a negative way. In a positive way. Standing out. Glory to God. Being a light. Amen. So, you know, this, uh, again, if, if it's true, uh, then praise God. It's just the glory of God. But, you know, I had somebody come up to me one time, and, uh, you know, it was a strange statement. People come up and make strange statements to me all the time. But I've had this happen a couple times right now in a different reflection. So somebody came up to me one time, and he's like, you know, he'd been around me for a while, and he just said, um, I perceive that you have two auras about you. I'm like, hmm. Well, let me tell you what that is. One is the aura of my life, and the other one is the Holy Ghost. He said, oh, okay. Somebody came up to me one time and said, I saw two lights in you. That's good, because one's got to be the Holy Spirit. I'm not sure exactly what the other one is, but I know one is the Holy Spirit. Amen. And so that's a good thing. Thank God, if he's showing up to other people, there's a light. They don't know what it is. They're like, hmm, I think it's an aura. I think it's... But we should know what it is. It's the light of life. It's the Holy Spirit of God. Jesus said everybody's not going to like it. In fact, those who desire to be run and guided by the world system won't like it. They'll hate you. But the people who are trapped in that darkness will run to the light. And he said, we're the light of the world. We're to be the light of the world. We're not to look like the world. We are to be the light of the world. Amen? So as we go through this, we're not just looking, we're not studying the Bible simply to be. I mean, if you have a, a degree from seminary, if you want to go and, and get degrees, awesome. Praise the Lord. But we're not just studying for a degree. We're not just studying to debate. We're not just studying for a message. But we set ourselves aside and say, listen, I'm going to read your word because it's spirit and it's life to me. I'm going to set aside a time and get into your presence. Now, when I get into your presence and open your word, man, it starts to jump off the page in things and instruction of application to our day-to-day life. What we avoid and what we participate in. Because he'll lead us and he'll guide us. But he won't do it apart from his word. Right? The word and the spirit agree. So sometimes we just want a revelation, but some people have a revelation of really something the Bible doesn't say. Right? It doesn't line up. So that's where we want to have a revelation, not some new thing, but something that we could apply daily. Amen? So that's why Paul wrote to these, these churches, the individuals, the Holy Spirit had them penned for us, not so we could be simply religious and debate and, and see who could get the deepest revelation, but that we might have the application of the power of the word working or coming alive to us in our life. Amen? So we'll just start here, verse 1. It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints who are at Ephesus and 
faithful in Christ Jesus. Aren't you glad that he went beyond just the saints that are at Ephesus? So he just, just goes down to those who are faithful. Now, it's very important, just right off the bat, Paul tells us who's writing it, an apostle of Jesus Christ, right? So he discerns that. I'm not just a good teacher. I'm not just, just coming to you with an idea here, but I've been commissioned by the Lord Jesus Christ himself to speak to you or to write to you. And then he not only tells us who he is, but he tells us who we are. Or who the church at Ephesus is. And he calls us saints. Now we just finished singing a song holy. But he actually says, I'm writing to the holy who are at Ephesus. That's what that word saints means. It means holy. So he begins immediately to say, I'm writing to a people who have accepted Jesus Christ. And positionally are sanctified by him. So again, Pastor Jonathan explained a little bit of this last Sunday morning, the difference between sanctification, positional holiness, and operational holiness. Did you say it operational holiness? Behavioral holiness. All right. So operational holiness. <laughs> Same thing. Operating is behavior. Thank God your, your surgeon has good behavior in operation. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and so behavioral holiness. So he's talking to somebody and he's about to say, because you're positionally holy, I'm going to talk to you about behavioral holiness. It's about what he's about to write and how this all comes and culminates together for who you are. And so without taking a lot of time on this, there's a book in the bookstore by Addison Bevere called Saints. He uses a, a, a phrase I'd never heard anybody use before, over and over, but he talks about your otherness. So instead of just thinking of it common, to be a saint is something other than. That you're sanctified, that you're set apart by God for a purpose. Right? So he's writing to a special group of people. You. You. You're a special group of people if you've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. You've been set apart by God, set apart from the dominion of sin, set apart from the darkness of sin, set apart into his glorious light, set apart for a divine purpose that he has for you. You are peculiar in your being to God. Right? Peculiar. I heard one person say this at one point in time. He said that, that you know, where Peter says we're a peculiar people. And most people would look at the church and say they are a bunch of peculiar people. <laughs> we have some strange people. Fruits, nuts, and flakes. <laughs> but see, he didn't mean that. He meant, okay, so what, what is unique, what he's talking about, peculiar, would be similar to this. You get your paycheck, you pay your tithe, you pay your house payment, you pay your heating bill, you know, you go through all that. And whatever is left at the end of it is peculiar unto you. It now is yours. It's not owed to somebody else. It is yours so that you can do with it whatever you want. We are his peculiar possession. When the world has spent us in the debt of sin, Jesus redeemed us.
to not have the debt of sin. So we belong to him. See, the rest of the world doesn't belong to him if they haven't confessed him as Lord. And so when you did, he set you apart as his own peculiar possession. So we want to understand that. We want to know who he's writing to. He's writing to people who belong to him. They don't belong to themselves anymore. They belong to him. They've made a decision. As we've made a decision, I hope you've made a decision, to accept the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for your life. And so if you accept the sacrifice of his blood, his blood was the price paid for your life. So what did you do? You said, I'm tired of being under the slavery of sin. I need to come out from under the oppressiveness and the slavery and the destruction of sin that's tainted my life. And so I accept the price paid for my life. And so now I'm redeemed unto you. I belong to you. And there's a peculiarness about that to understand that when we allow that price to be paid and we know that we belong to him, there's such an element of freedom to that mastery of him. So it's hard to understand. Paul even said, I have to write because of the weakness of our flesh. When he said, you know what, when you give yourself to sin, you become a slave of it. When you give yourself to righteousness, you become a slave of it. He said, I'm trying to explain something, but I can't. It's hard for me to, in, in terms, do that. Because whom the Son has set free is free indeed. But yet, if I'm a slave of righteousness, how does that make me free? Because you were created for righteousness. So to accept the price paid, I now belong to him, but that's what I was created for. My freedom in my creation is belonging to him. So you actually get set into your divine purpose, which gives you the freedom to be what you were created to be. And to know what you were created to be. A saint. Holy unto God. It's good news. Praise the Lord. Good news. So it's really an awesome thing. Sometimes the enemy just puts on the, well, you just, you know, call him Lord. He's master now. You got to do all this stuff. Do all. No. There's things I'm doing because I just know. I know. I'm not struggling. I'm not fighting with the flesh anymore. I'm walking in the spirit. And in that, there's such a freedom. Well, how can there be freedom if he's Lord? Because he's the one we were designed to be engrafted into, to live in fellowship with, to live united with. That was the creation. And so apart from that, we're not free. In that, there's a freedom to be everything we were created to be. All right. So this is grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. In Christ. Again, we won't take a lot of time with some of this because you've heard it, and you can just study it. You can go and, and right into the bookstore, get a book real quick. Uh, 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 you know, In Christ Realities, you know, Taking Your Place in Christ from Mark Hankins. And, and he'll just explain again over and over who we are in Christ. 
But again, this denotes, you know, when he said we're blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus, he's not just saying, well, God's just blessed you apart from bodily blessing, there's spiritual blessing. No, he's actually saying that you are blessed with an inward working, right? You're not just blessed like God said you're blessed, right? Words of blessing, but he's talking about action of blessing. He said, now, because you've received, you've been sanctified and set apart. You've received from God the Holy Spirit. And so there is now working in you every good thing that is in Christ. Every good thing. He said, this is what's happened. He's blessed you by putting the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. And so now it's a spiritual blessing, not just a, hey, I bless you apart from bodily blessing, but I've put the Spirit of God on the inside of you to begin to work a blessed life. Right? So it's not just a be blessed. It's a be blessed. Right? Not just saying be blessed. But he backed it with action and working a blessing in your life. It's powerful. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. He made that purpose before the foundation of the world. He said, listen, here's my determination. I'm going to make man in our image and in our likeness. And man is going to fellowship with us. I predetermined and ordained that to be. And they're going to be holy and blameless. That is my plan as they stay with me in love. Powerful. Because we get to these things. Verse 5, he says, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. And so it says predestined. So somebody came up with a whole doctrine of predestination, which means God predetermined, with that it means he's predetermined some things. So he predetermined, you know, Bucky for adoption, well, Bucky to not be saved, and Brittany to be saved. And so God's got that all predetermined, and you can't help it. It's a whole doctrine in the world. And, and you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm not intellectual enough to really break that down so much. I just look at it and go, oh, I see this. God predetermined before anything that we should be with him and not apart from him. He predetermined from the very beginning, right, that we should be his. That word adoption there means placed as sons. Placed as sons. He said he predetermined us to be placed as sons by Jesus Christ, right? Praise God. He started things in the very beginning. He determined from the very beginning, even after man fell, he, he predetermined in the beginning. He said, listen, I'm creating an earth for you, and I'm giving you my dominion. I'm delegating to you, right? I'm not doing it for you. I'm delegating to you. Gave man the choice. Man fell. But right there at redemption, in Genesis chapter 3, he spoke to the serpent and he said, the seed of woman will bruise your head and you'll bruise his heel. Right there, he, he already said, I'm not getting out of step with this. This is how I created man. Man made a mistake, but I'm going to restore mankind in Christ Jesus. 
Why? Because God's will will be done. God is sovereign. God is sovereign in that. What sovereignty means is this, in control of one's own destiny. So there's a sovereignty about you. That's not blasphemy. There's a sovereignty about you. God gave you a choice, and in that choice, you can determine your own destiny. In fact, if God is sovereign, there has to be a piece of sovereignty in us because he created us in, our likeness, in his likeness and his image. But he's in control of his own destiny, which he said, I will have man be mine from the very beginning. And when man made a decision to go apart from God, it didn't change God's mind because man changed his mind. God's mind never changed. He wants man to be a part of his life. And that's never changed. He predetermined that from the beginning. And so when we've accepted Jesus Christ, he's embraced us. And he's placed us as sons. So incredibly important to understand how he's placed us as sons, why he's placed us in that place. Turn over to Romans chapter 8. Romans, the 8th chapter. Thirteenth verse. He says, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, or other translators say, and since we're children, then we're heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. So we have a spirit of adoption to know that we're sons and daughters of God. Now again, as we go into this, we'll begin to see that there is protocol to being a son and a daughter. Woo, I'm a son and a daughter. I'm an heir of God. Well, there's a, there's a way that we understand and access those things. So 2 Peter, we referred to this this morning. 2 Peter chapter 1 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's given us everything that we need that pertains to life and godliness. How many times do you think, you know, I don't have enough. I need something extra. Well, he's given us everything that we need. But he says, he qualifies it, he says, he's given us everything that we need that pertains to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. Through the knowledge of him. So if we're not participating in the things that we need for life and godliness, then it's not just about going like, well, I guess I just don't have it. I guess God didn't want me to have it. It's gaining a deeper knowledge and revelation of him. Because when we begin to have a revelation of him and who he is 
as the Son of God and everything that was provided for him to live his life, to fulfill his call, to finish his journey, that he accessed from heaven the supernatural power, the supernatural grace, loving the unlovable, loving the people who hung him on the cross, the strength that he had to endure till the end and see it through to the finish. All that that he had that came from heaven into his life was his inheritance of God. Even his name that brought forth power, he, he got by inheritance in him. And so we're heirs with him. So we have that name to use against principalities and powers. It has power. We have the love of God that we've inherited. Everything that we need, we got. And we need to start looking at what we have and not what we don't have. It's a lie of the enemy. Because we're sons and daughters of God. And with that, there's a responsibility to know it, to understand what's what's ours, and to utilize what has come to us in the way that God has said to utilize. Praise the Lord. It's good stuff. It's not bad. Oh, no. No, we've got everything that we need. Why couldn't he just give it to me? Why do I have to know about him? You don't have to know about him. You have to know him. Why? Why do I have to know him? Why can't I just have what I need for life? Because your life is not without him now. Because the moment that we begin to know him is the beginning of us knowing us. Because we're engrafted into him. And so sometimes we just want to live outside of him and have everybody know us. But he would rather we know him and people know us in him. Right? So 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16, we know 17. Well, I hope you know 17. But Paul said this. He said, we no longer know one another after the flesh. For if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, everything has become new, and now everything is of God, who reconciled us to himself, right? So, so often we want to look at who we were before in the flesh or under the flesh nature. Well, looking at that and regarding one another in that way just takes us over into that place. But we begin to regard one another as who they are in Christ, Saints. Saints. Begin to look at each other as saints. Seated together with him. So they're not acting like it. They're acting about as unholy as can be. Well, then they're going to need help in behavioral holiness. Because it actually doesn't take them out of position. It doesn't undo what Christ already did. They just don't know it. So through knowledge of him. So again, as we're breaking this open, you say, why are you going into that? Because as we look at this, that's what I want us to to begin to see what Paul is saying. He's leading up to some other things that he's going to say. That if if you don't regard yourself as worthy, you don't see yourself as a son, you don't see yourself as an heir, you don't see what God's provided, you're always going to be struggling to get something for yourself when actually what you need is available to you. But it's available to you in Christ, right? In him. 
Now all of a sudden things override emotion and feeling. And I'm not good enough. Or this person didn't look at me the right way because I know who I am. All right. We'll keep moving. Praise the Lord. So, got to get back there. Ephesians chapter 1. There's so much in this that uh, we won't exhaust it all today, all right? That'll be, I'm sure, all right with all of you. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Predestined us to adoption of sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. In other words, you didn't force him to do it. You didn't force him to do it. James says this, every good and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will, he brought us forth as a first fruit of his creation. Of his own will. He sent Jesus of his own will. You didn't make him do it. You didn't twist his arm to do it. You didn't do enough good things that God said, man, they're just doing, they're trying so hard. I better send Jesus. No, of his own will. In order to satisfy his great love for us, he sent Jesus. And so Paul says in Romans, he said, if he saw you in that way and loved you so much that he wanted to be with you even though you had sinned against him, if he would send Jesus to shed his blood as a lamb slain without spot or blemish, Jesus who deserved nothing of death and sin, for he was righteous, but he became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. If God would do that for you, how would he not with him freely give you all things? Come on, church. If we can snap... Snap our mind out of anything as we go into Monday is to say, I'm not looking at everything that's wrong around me. I'm not looking at things that are wrong with my life, but I'm going to focus on every blessing that the Holy Spirit's working on the inside of me. I'm going to look at God and get in his presence and know that if he sent Jesus, he's ready to do some good things in my life. So I'm going to look at what I have in Christ, not what I don't have. Because what you have in Christ is so powerful. When we recognize that, we're going to display, we're going to release from the inside things that will change people's lives. But we do it by faith. So if we're hoping, right, if we're hoping, if I pray for this person, I hope they get well. Well, it won't be working too good. But when I know who I am, and I know the power that resides on the inside of me, and I know, as we said this morning, that holiness, that cleansing. I'm not just releasing something from the outside. Oh, Holy Spirit, meet me right here. I'm releasing from that holiness, that power, that purity from the inside. And that which is released from within me begins to cleanse and wash and heal and make right. That which is wrong, being released from that which Christ has put in me, not just dropping out of heaven somewhere. Let's see, when we don't apply behavioral holiness, then we're always wondering, will this work or will this not work? And what if I do and nothing changes? He hasn't changed. Praise the Lord. All right. Let's see, we'll grab a couple more scriptures here and then we'll close. 
according to his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Man. There's a lot of people trying to be accepted in all kinds of places. Whew. And I just want to be accepted by this person and that person. I just want to be accepted with, to be with the in crowd. Man, there's so many people. You know, I, I don't want to be, be, be negative here. But, you know, uh, as I've watched this, people, you know, glorify so many, especially musicians, some, some different kinds of people. But, man, I'll tell you, the number of people when you watch these, these uh, uh, movies that are made about these stars, you know, where they started. Almost every one of those, they started in church, singing for Jesus. And the world came along and said, don't you want to be accepted by everybody? And pretty soon, they're, they're caught up in the whole thing. They're, going, they're being broken. They're being shattered. Relationships, drugs, alcohol, all those things come in. So many at the end, I mean, it's just a sad story. So many at the end are looking and coming back and saying, you know, the very foundation of my life was God. We have to be careful of where we're looking to be accepted. Because we are accepted in the beloved. Come on, you just have to know you're accepted in the beloved. We're saints of God. Church, we're accepted in the beloved. When somebody comes up and looks at you wrong or says something wrong or says, you know, why do you grow your beard that way? (laughs) Why'd you color your hair that way? Oh my God, why'd you get your nose pierced that way? Instead of going, oh, these people, just go, I'm accepted in the beloved. Somebody just wants to know. They saw my, you know, it's a, it's a funny thing sometimes. We want to be accepted. We do some, something different and nobody notices. That makes us mad. And then somebody notices and we read into it something and then that makes us mad. Well, which is it? You want to be noticed or you don't want to be noticed? I just want to be noticed by the right people. <laughs> We're accepted in the beloved. Yes. Glory to God. Man, and when we get settled in that, he loved me. He accepted me. He forgave me. I'm in a good spot. We're in a good spot. In Christ, we're in a good spot. When we know we're accepted, we're confident we're accepted in the beloved, we can welcome people into the beloved. We're like, I'm not sure I want people to come in because I don't know if they'll feel accepted or not. (laughs) All right, praise the Lord. (laughs) In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin, according to the riches of his grace, which he made abound towards us in all wisdom and prudence. That word prudence means understanding. So Paul's going to get to this place, and, and you know, near the end, he's going to pray for this wisdom and understanding about redemption, about our acceptance in the beloved. He redeemed us through his blood. We talked about that. You've been purchased with a price. He said, according to the riches of his grace, the riches of his grace. You know, if one thing, you know, every preacher, I mean, we had a, a, a big, large teaching on grace that spanned about a decade which when we look at it, you know, there's different aspects of it. But you can look over the body of Christ as a whole. And many people got uh, uh, frivolous. They got lighthearted about things in their life that, would, that, that before that they wouldn't. 
It's always something, you know, years ago, we preached on grace, unmerited favor with God. Just simply that simple part of grace, unmerited favor. In other words, you don't have to tithe for God to love you. You don't have to attend church for God to love you. And, you know, why grace in, in that frame didn't get preached a lot more is because every time a preacher preached it, people quit tithing and quit coming to church. Which meant, wow, what a revelation. I was tithing because I thought it would make God love me. I was coming to church because I thought I was getting stars on the chart in heaven for attendance. And when I found out I wasn't getting stars on the chart in heaven, and my tithe didn't make him love me anymore, why do it? Huh? So every preacher went back to just preaching and not grace. And then we had this big move of grace that said, you know, it doesn't matter Grace covers it. Well, no, grace doesn't cover it. The blood washed it. And because the blood washed it, grace comes in and empowers you. So it was his own blood. It was the shedding of his blood that washed you free from sin so that you could know and meet him at the place of the shedding of the blood and obtain mercy washed in the blood. And when you're washed in the blood and all that stuff is washed away, all that stuff is gone, the clarity of not my sin and my, 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 my inadequacies and my weakness aren't what is before my eyes, but when it's all washed away, I find grace. Not that I have to seek out everywhere, but when I obtain mercy, then I find grace. Grace for what? Grace to help me in my time of need. Not grace to let me off the hook for sin. Grace to help me. Help me with what? Help me live above sin. Me ruling over the sinful nature, not the sinful nature ruling over me. Because after all, that's what he purchased our life from and for you were redeemed from sin for a high purpose and call it amen praise the lord and he said he made it to abound man grace is abounding he said where sin abounded grace did much more abound so you're like man you don't know where i was at i mean we like this testimony uh, boy let me just tell you my testimony I was, I was chiefest of sinners, and we go on for a long, long time, like sin abounded, sin abounded, sin abounded, and we take up 20 minutes of our, you know, 23-minute testimony on where sin abounded, and then Jesus came into my life and set me free. Oh, sin abounded, grace did much more abound. From the very beginning, but even no matter what you were caught in in sin, when you receive redemption, grace came. And where sin was abounding, grace is much more abounding. In other words, where sin abounded and sucked you into death, pulled you away from God, felt like you couldn't even get to God because it was pulling you away. Grace will that much more pull you back and connect you with God. Come on, powerful stuff. To know and to see. I'm not, I'm not going to live my life wondering how I can maneuver in the flesh and in the spirit. I'm just going to go ahead and allow grace to empower me to put the flesh aside. The flesh aside. 
Not drinking, smoking, cussing, and chewing. That would be good to put aside too. But <laughs> no, we're talking about those things that the flesh really gets after you. Yeah. I have every right to be offended with that person. I have every right to be mad about that. I have every, I have every, I have. You have, gra- you have grace to say it's not about me being upset or me being offended. It's about my ability to override that through grace to walk in love. Praise the Lord. All right. Don't know exactly how. That's got an odd place to unhook, but that's where we're going to unhook. <laughs> Hallelujah. So if you want to know what comes next, you'll just have to come back. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We thank you for the living, active.